Good morning and welcome to Roadmap to Heaven. I'm Adam Wright. It is 7 a.m. on this Tuesday, July 19th, and we are happy to be with you this morning. Let's start our morning off in prayer, shall we? We pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for all the intentions of my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Happy to be with you on this Tuesday morning. It is the big day for Major League Baseball. It's All-Star Game Day, and uh, it's got me thinking about some of the great plays and players. I've been just amazed, and, and I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to have seen play in my life, uh, you know, First and foremost, the Wizard of Oz, Ozzie Smith. I, I mean, growing up with Ozzie Smith as the, the shortstop for the Cardinals, I was spoiled, right? Spoiled. How could I ever look at another shortstop again and think that they would even compare? And so far, that's proven true. I, I, I've, we've had some great shortstops, but none compare to the Wizard. Um, and if you haven't, you know, if, if you're a young baseball fan and you have no idea what I'm talking about, go watch some highlight reels of Ozzie Smith. Um, but, you know, there's some other great ones. I, I think I'm grateful for the opportunity to have seen, you know, both the final outs of the World Series in 2006 and in 2011. Um, growing up, that's all I ever hoped for was a World Series victory, and we never seemed to get that far. And every time we made it to the postseason, I'd go to a game and then we'd lose. Not that the one has anything to do with the other. I just had a, a bad track record of picking the games to go to. Um you know, and then getting to see those. What an amazing thing it is to be a baseball fan. And I'm a bit of a purist, you know. I'm going to tell you that right now. A bit of a purist. Um, so I'm not going to comment on any of the changes they're making to the game because we don't need to get into that. We have spiritual things to talk about today. But it is All-Star Game Day, and I, I do want to have some fun with that. Uh, we are going to continue talking with Doug Barry this morning about our discipline in praying the rosary and uh, some tips for how to better pray our rosary. But uh, in honor of All-Star Game Day, we're going to have Kevin O'Malley from Catholic Athletes for Christ on to talk about a fantastic ball player, not just in terms of his ability on the field, but who he was off the field as well. And then later, Father John Schneier is going to join us to talk about some Catholic All-Stars, not necessarily baseball players, just saints, popes, um, apostles, that we should know. We should have them on our radar screen. We should be reading what they write. and Well, they don't really write anymore, but reading what they wrote and listening to what they said in our lives. So I'm looking forward to that. Plus, you know, of course, as always, we've got the Daily Dose of Encouragement and our Saint of the Day and all of these wonderful things. I hope your Tuesday's off to a good start. I hope your week's off to a good start. It's one of those weeks that reminds me, um, you know, last week, Last week, I, I, I was so blessed to do some incredible, mostly ordinary, but I guess a little bit out of the ordinary things. Meet some incredible people, share my witness, uh, so on and so forth. And it feels like right after I finished doing that, wow, the, uh, the spiritual attacks are, are coming hard. 
the the attacks against the family. I mentioned yesterday that I was a little weary and that uh, there's, you know, nothing big going on between my wife and I. It's just one of those times that, okay, maybe, uh, and by maybe, I mean I am rubbing her the wrong way, right? I'm, I'm a little difficult right now, perhaps, and more than perhaps. And I think, well, wow, how come all of a sudden we're hitting this big road bump, right? This this big road bump. And my wife said to me last night, she goes, you know, it seems like last week was just so good that the devil just couldn't let that be, could he? He couldn't let that be. We were doing well. We were both growing closer to the Lord. And now we're at odds with one another over silly stuff, Right. Now, those of you who aren't married might be saying, how do you get at odds with one another over silly stuff? I would think if you're going to argue or or, uh, have disagreement, it's going to be over serious stuff. Why would you let silly stuff get in the way? But those of you who are married know that sometimes it is just really ridiculous stuff that kind of pushes the buttons, and you have to make that conscious choice to say, listen, I'm not going to get worked up about this. I'm not going to let this ruin things. Because I love my wife. I love my husband. And this is silly stuff. And this is somebody else trying to get in there to turn us against each other and to turn us against God. So what's the answer to that? Well, as we're going to talk about with Doug Berry today, uh, pray your rosary. You know, that's that's what my wife said last night. That's what I said. Uh, you know, we've got to we've got to pray our rosaries because it's obvious that, you know, I, I forget which part of the Fatima apparition it was. I'll have to look this up for you and maybe I'll have it for you at the end of the show. Um but the, I want to say it comes from the Fatima apparitions that the Blessed Mother said the devil's main attack is going to be against the family, against marriage and the family. And sometimes we think of that in the big abstract. You know, the, what is the meaning of marriage? What's the definition of marriage? Who can get married? All these big questions our culture has been wrestling with. But let's not forget it's not just the abstract. It's the particular as well, that the devil doesn't want my wife and I to grow together in holiness. The devil doesn't want my wife and I to help our children grow in holiness. He wants us to be ambivalent. He's not even trying to convince us that, that God doesn't exist or anything like that. He's just trying to convince us to be ambivalent and not care and live for this life and live for the pleasures of this world. And sometimes it's really, really tempting, right? But let's buckle down and let's go to the Blessed Mother because the devil cringes whenever she gets involved. And uh, so if you're like me and you're maybe hitting some speed bumps along the way, hitting some potholes, maybe that's a better way to say it. We're hitting some potholes on the road of marriage and uh, we just need to get the crew out here to fill in the potholes. Uh, Pray the rosary. That's the number one thing. Pray the rosary and get to mass. And if you need to, get to reconciliation. Those three things. All right, uh, we told you what's on the show today. We're going to get to all of that. Um, Before we go to Doug Berry, let's go to Mike Roberts. Today is the feast day of St. Mary Helen McKillop. Born in Australia in 1842, her mother and father had both come from Scotland, and before meeting her mother, her father almost became a priest. Mary Helen was the oldest of eight children, and the family had a farm but struggled to make ends meet. To help, Mary took a job as a store clerk in Melbourne, and when she was 14, she worked there, later moving on to South Australia when her aunt and uncle asked her to be a governess. After a few years in South Australia, Mary opened her own boarding school, which is now Bayview College. 
Her spiritual director was a local priest named Father Julian Woods. He asked Mary and her two sisters, Annie and Lexi, who had come to work with Mary Helen to start a Catholic school, and they did. In the process, Mary and her sisters also made the decision to give their lives to the Lord. On the feast of the presentation of Mary in 1866, she adopted the name Mary of the Cross and founded the Sisters of St. Joseph of the Sacred Heart. One year later, there were 11 new sisters, and in their brown habits, they became known as the Josephites and were dedicated to teaching poor and neglected children. The Josephites expanded rapidly, and by 1871, there were 130 nuns running 40 schools helping children of all faiths. She died in 1909 and in 2010 became Australia's first saint. St. Mary Helen McKillop, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. I'm Adam Wright, and this week we're talking with Doug Barry about how to get into that daily rosary if we're not doing it already. And yesterday we had the attitude adjustment that if we're saying, ah, the rosary, that's my grandmother's prayer. It, it's not. It's a prayer for you and I. And hopefully we're all saying, all right, if I'm not praying that daily rosary, I want to start today. But, you know, Doug, Adam, sometimes I just, I, I don't know where to pray the rosary. It's not really conducive to pray the rosary. What do I do? Yeah, you know, one of my favorite videos I, I talk about a lot is back when EDBTN had would, a video of the rosary, they, the program that they had on their network back in the 80s. And Mother Jelka started the network in 81. And back in the 80s, there was this video that was out and there's little girls praying the rosary. And you'd see these images of people in all these different areas. You see a police officer sitting on a bench on a porch, or you see someone sitting in a boat or, you know, a little girl walking in the field. I mean, all these types of things. I looked at it and thought, wow, I don't have to be in the church all the time praying the rosary. I don't have to be on my knees even every time I pray the rosary. Again, as we talked about yesterday about the attitude adjustment, we also have to adjust the way we think about where we pray the rosary and the time we pray the rosary. I pray the rosary oftentimes when I'm on an airplane flying somewhere or I'm driving down the highway, you know, or I'm, I'm you know, just driving into town, I'll pray the rosary. You know, having this attitude that I just pray the rosary whenever, wherever. You could be at the bus stop if you ride the bus. You could be walking in a park. You could be in your garden and you could be praying the rosary. Having the idea in the mind that this is a communication, it's conversation with God, with the Blessed Mother, with the Holy Family. That conversation should take place everywhere, everywhere. Okay, I've prayed the rosary even while exercising, while working out. I mean, this is something that you just start to adopt. And then you'll find, I believe people find, and I'm sure some in the audience could attest to this, where you just start to crave that conversation and you find, you know what, I just, I'm going to shut the radio off and pray the rosary right now. I don't feel like watching the TV anymore. I'd rather pray the rosary. Now, some might hear that and think, I don't think I'm there yet because I don't get anything out of it. That's another part we have to address, and we'll get into that later you know, in coming days about, about really recognizing what we get from the rosary. But really, let's take a look seriously today at where I am, where I pray the rosary, what I think I have to be doing when I pray the rosary. If you feel you want to have the great ambiance of beautiful music and a candle, that's great. I do that too. I love those moments as well. But then there are other times where, as I've mentioned, I'm driving down the road or I'm taking a walk or wherever else. You can pray it sitting on your, on your bench outside of your house. Change the mindset as to where you think you need to be. Open the door. 
and have the conversation with the Holy Family anywhere, everywhere, every day. You know, the number one game changer for me for making any place conducive to pray the rosary is to actually just have my rosary with me in my pocket right. at all times, always within arm's reach. And, you know, I don't care if it's a, a case like the one I have, this little black leather one I have, or where you get your case, where you get your rosary, have it with you. If you need to have the card explaining how to pray the rosary, you know what? Sometimes I even forget the prayers and I've been praying the rosary for a long time. Yeah, I yeah. love having the card. So don't be too proud to carry it with you. Don't be too proud to have the card. Doug, this has been great. I look forward to the rest of this week. Awesome. Thanks, Adam. I do too. Are you enjoying this episode of Roadmap to Heaven? Are you saying to yourself, I wish I could listen to this again? Well, good news, you can. Just go to your favorite podcast app and search Roadmap to Heaven by Covenant Network to find this episode and more. And for even more great Catholic content, be sure to visit www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R-CatholicRadio.org and click on the Programs tab for some great shows. And now back to Roadmap to Heaven. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. And with all of the hype of baseball this summer, I mean, let's be honest, I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan. And you have what is, you know, for all intents and purposes, the final season for Yadier Molina, who's announced he's going to retire at the end of the season. Most likely Adam Wainwright's final season. And the two of them might break the record for most starts together as a pitcher-catcher battery. And on top of that, they brought Albert Pujols back for what is most likely his final season. I mean, talk about the curtain call of curtain calls. And if those three all-stars weren't enough for you, we've got the all-star game. And as I've been getting ready for this, someone said to me, Adam, have you seen the new film that's out about Gil Hodges? And I said, I don't even know who Gil Hodges is, let alone that there's a film about him. They said, you got to look it up. you got to check this out. I forgot about it. A few weeks later, I see a news article about this great film, and I watch it. I drop everything I'm doing. I watch it, and I say, wow, now that is an all-star, Gil Hodges. So we're very happy to be speaking today with Kevin O'Malley, the Major League Baseball Coordinator for Catholic Athletes for Christ, about Gil Hodges and this film. Kevin, it's so good to have you with us this morning. Thank you, Adam. It's wonderful to be speaking with you. So let's start with the who, because I've dropped his name several times now. I mean, we all know the uh, the Babe Ruths of the world. We know the, the Albert Bujols, the uh, Derek Jeters, and so on and so forth. But here's this guy, Gil Hodges. I had never heard of him before, and maybe some of our listeners are saying, well, who was Gil Hodges? Sure. Well, it's funny. You have the same reaction that a lot of baseball fans do. And what we hear more than anything are from fans, baseball, who say, I know the name, but I don't know the story. And probably five or six years ago, took the time and I read a biography on Gil Hodges. And when I closed the final page, the final chapter, I told my wife, I can't believe no one has made a film about this amazing man, both a great baseball player, but a fantastic Catholic a gentleman, husband, father. And we began a project on Gil Hodges, who was a ball player back in the 40s, 50s, and into the early 60s, most known for his playing with the Brooklyn Dodgers and was a key member of the infield playing first base for those great Brooklyn Dodger teams before they left Brooklyn and came to Los Angeles. An eight-time all-star 
won the first three gold gloves for his defensive prowess at first base. As his playing career ended, he was the original New York Met in their expansion draft in the early 60s. But uh, the 60s ended, most notably, he was the manager of the 1969 Miracle Mets. And so we, again, a film's never been made of him before, and we wanted to tell the story of a ball player, a great American, I forgot to mention earlier, serving in World War II, a decorated Marine, but also just what an amazing man he was both on and off the field. People, ball players who played for him, his teammates always revered him, talked about him almost saintly. And unfortunately, shortly after winning the World Series with the New York Mets in 69, just three years later, tragically passed away just shy of his 48th birthday and became, quite honestly, somewhat forgotten. And so this film, which came out uh, in late 2021, has kind of resurrected his name and brought forward a story for ball uh, fans, regardless of age, to watch. I know, and it, I have to say, I was fascinated by it. Now, listeners, you might be saying to yourself, well, what, what does this have to do with growing in holiness, and why are we talking about this on Roadmap to Heaven? I mean, I love baseball as, as much as the next person. Here are some of the things that really stuck out to me. And, Kevin, I hope we get to talk a little bit about Jackie Robinson. So I think I'm going to say we're going to come sure. back to that. But as... You know, the teams are starting to travel on airplanes. They have a very late game. It's getaway day. They've got to get to the next city. It's going to be a late flight. I want to say they played a doubleheader that day. They're on the plane, and here comes the stewardess with the meals for everyone. And Gil Hodges just very respectfully declines the meal because it's this wonderful-looking steak dinner on a Friday night. And he said, no. I can't. And I think the line was, I'm too close to the boss right now, Indeed. being up in the Indeed. air. The story was relayed from, and for your listeners, I mean, the folks who we interviewed in this film, ranging from Vin Scully, legendary Hall of Fame broadcaster, another great Catholic gentleman, Carl Erskine, the last living member of the 1955 champion Brooklyn Dodgers, members of the 69 Mets, Tommy Lasorda, just a host of different folks who continue, even 50 years after his passing, 50 years this year, continue to talk about him with such reverence. And it was just, it's an amazing story of an American who sadly just somewhat became forgotten. Yeah. Well, well, let's talk about Jackie Robinson for a moment here, Kevin, because, I mean, this is one of those things that, again, fascinating story. You've talked about Gil Hodge's death and then at his funeral that they bring his son out to this car and say, step into the car here. And he goes into the car and there's Jackie Robinson in tears telling him how much his father, how much Gil Hodges meant to meant to Jackie Robinson. Now, you know, we all think of Jackie Robinson Day and the, the barriers that he broke. What does Gil Hodges have to do with Jackie Robinson? A few things, and I think it really highlights when people ask, what about his Catholic faith? His virtues do you admire the most? And for me, in doing the research and getting to know Gil Jr. and hearing a lot of stories about his dad, the virtue of humility. Gil was, he was often referred to as the quiet man because he was never looking for accolades, never looking for the media to quote him or for him to highlight what he's done uh, done well. But what he did for Jackie that really was not often reported 
was he really was starting in 1947 as Robinson came into baseball with the Brooklyn Dodgers. He was the enforcer both on and off the field physically. I mean, there were uh, Jackie took a tremendous toll each game he played cheap shots from opposing fans and players. And Gill, a lot more would have happened were it not for Gill. He was a, a an imposing figure at first base. But it was also the things off the field. Both Gill and his wife, Joan, who's still living at 95 in the same house in Brooklyn that Gill and she raised the family, they befriended both Jackie and Rachel Robinson and introduced them to the other families, the other wives on the Dodgers. But also down in Vero Beach at Dodger Town, Sadly, it was a time in society when African-Americans were not allowed to shop in many of the stores down in Florida. And quietly, unassumingly, the Hodges family would shop for the Robinsons. And so this, again, was a story no one's really ever talked about because, of course, in Gill's classic virtuous lifestyle, never looked for any kind of accolade or promotion of that. Um, which just says so much about him. But, you know, he was very quiet, but effective and seemingly always did the right thing. You know what strikes me, Kevin, as we uh, wrap up here, because we are we're running out of time, sadly. All of the things we've been talking about with why Gil Hodges was so important, very little of them have to do with his baseball playing. And that's really a testament because he was a fantastic baseball player. I remember at one point in the movie they were talking about he was in a bit of a hitting slump and it was a really hot day. And and here in St. Louis, we know those hot, muggy, humid summer days and there was no air conditioning. And at mass, Father said, you know, it's too hot for me to preach a long sermon today, so here's the moral of the story. Go home and pray for Gil Hodges that he's, he lights up his hitting streak again. Um, exactly. No, that's yeah, a, a wonderful story. I mean, this is a man, uh, for a lot of folks there, everyone knows New York City and its reputation for getting on its own players. They're ending kind of slump, or if they're not hitting well, or performing on the field, and to a person, everyone talks about the fact that Gil was never, ever booed in Brooklyn, regardless of his performance on the field, because of the man he was off the field, as you rightly pointed, yeah. pointed out. And and they will boo their own players oh, in absolutely. New York. It, it, it has happened, friends. Well, Kevin, I want to thank you for this. Again, I, I think the moral of the story for all of us is, you know, I'm not going to be a star baseball player. That is 100% certain. I can't even hit in the 50-mile-an-hour batting cage, let alone go up against these 90, 95, 100-mile-an-hour pitchers out there. But I can be holy, just like Gil Hodges was. I could be a virtuous man. I could observe simple things like saying, hey, it's Friday. I, I could eat the steak dinner, but I'm not going to eat the steak dinner. And I think that's a lesson we can all take away. Now, the most important question I'm going to ask you now, Kevin, uh, because we haven't said this either, is all of our listeners who are saying, okay, where can I watch this movie? Where can we send them? Absolutely. So if you're on the internet, you can go to www.gilhodgesfilm.com. And any of your listeners who subscribe to Formed, the Catholic uh, streaming service, the film is on there as well. All right. There you have it. Gil Hodges, uh, an all-star for all of us to emulate. 
gilhodgesfilm.com, and then also onformed.org for those of you that have that service through your parish or however you may have it. Kevin O'Malley, thank you so much. Any predictions on who's going to win the All-Star Game this year? Is it going to be National League finally? Are we going to break that streak, or is it going to be the American League dominance we've come to know and expect? No, I think this year we will see the National League, the All-Star Game returning to Dodger Stadium, and forward to that here and at the end of the month Gill's induction in Cooperstown All right, that'll be wonderful. Friends, we're going to take a quick break here on Roadmap to Heaven. When we come back we've been talking about baseball all-stars we're going to talk about some of our spiritual all-stars, our great Catholic all-stars from the communion of saints, the popes, the bishops, whoever they may be. You have to stay tuned because Father John Schneier is going to be with us and he's going to open our eyes to one of the greatest starting lineups for our prayer life. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven don't go anywhere. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. We are back. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven. And before the break, we were hearing about one of those great all-stars, Gil Hodges. You know, I didn't even ask Kevin if Gil Hodges ever made the all-star team. And I don't even, I'm going to be honest here, I don't know how long we've been having the all-star game. I just know I love the all-star game. But we were talking about a great Catholic, Gil Hodges and baseball player. Today we're going to expand the rosters a little bit. We're going to get outside of the realm of professional baseball. And we have on deck with us here in studio Father John Schneier, associate pastor at Incarnate Word Parish in Chesterfield. Top of the morning to you, Adam. To you as well, Father. And By the way, Gil Hodges was an eight-time All-Star. I knew you would know that. That's why I, I, I may just have just looked it up as there. you were saying that, but <laughs> Gil Hodges, eight-time All-Star. All right. Well, that's what we love to hear. That's eight more than me. Yeah, exactly. Well, Father, today we want to come up with the Catholic starting lineup because as much as I love the All-Star game, I love our faith even more. And, I mean, I don't know how we even – create a roster for this because there are so many candidates who yeah, could be. Yeah, my goodness. This is like the Legends team, the all-time Legends yeah. team. So you've got it for us. We're going to turn it over to you. Well. Who, who's uh, <laughs> first up on the all-star roster of Catholics throughout history? Well, I mean, first of all, Adam, like you, I love the MLB All-Star game every summer. As a kid, it was always really blocked off on the calendar. Even just kind of at the beginning, them having all the players on the foul lines and everybody wearing their different uniforms. I don't know if they I don't think they do that right now, which is really, really dumb in my opinion. But but yeah, it it was just always something that I made a priority to watch as a kid because sometimes you wouldn't see some of these players. You know, I wouldn't see a lot of the players in the Yankees because we didn't have cable. So we didn't we didn't get to see a lot of players from the American League and other parts of the uh, of the country. So it was really cool to finally see them. But anyway the Catholic All-Stars. So I've got 12 people. 12 is a nice biblical Catholic number, and it's also at least big enough that I think I covered a lot of bases with this. But they're all saints. All right. And I kind of went with different categories almost, or at least tried to, again, as I said, cover a lot of bases. A team has different positions. And for an All-Star game, you know, we've got players from around the league. There might be two really, really good third basemen, and second base might be a little weak that year. And that second third baseman would not be the starter. So I cast a pretty wide net of some people that I think would make for a really balanced, good 
Catholic All-Star Yeah, because, team. I mean, if you had nine shortstops on the field and right. I had a shortstop, a first baseman, second baseman, third baseman, you would and win the game. Yeah, you would win the game. And we're about winning the game here. Yeah, so. all right, all right. So leading <laughs> off on Father leading John Snyder's All-Star off. list. So I started with Apostles. And two Apostles who we just celebrated last month, Peter and Paul. You cannot go wrong with those guys. Just cleanup hitters, middle of the lineup. Really, really great players. <laughs> really, really great saints. Obviously, the, the two great foundations of the church, especially in Rome. So Peter and Paul, that was a pretty easy one for me. I'm also going to say this. Our Blessed Mother is the manager of the team, maybe. Or, I mean, she she's in charge of all of them. Mary is, like, understood in all this, folks. I have to stress this. She's not in my list, but it's understood that she is the manager of the team and the one that they all listen to. The next couple that I went with were two intellectual giants of the church. I went with St. Augustine and St. Thomas Aquinas, two really, really great intellectual minds, folks who we still study today. Augustine, of course, had his wonderful conversion story, and Thomas Aquinas wrote so much of what we consider nowadays to be Catholic thought. Honestly, it's, it's Thomism after Thomas Aquinas. So those two are very near and dear to my heart since I studied them in seminary. So those what was it? B- Bill James wrote the baseball Bible. And Thomas Aquinas wrote the Summa Theologica. Well, yeah, the, yes, one the, could the argue he is the Bill James. One could argue he is the Bill James of the Catholic faith. Just a really, really awesome mind. After that, I went to two amazing spiritual masters. And they're both women religious. Therese of Lisieux and Teresa of Avila. Two Thereses, or Teresas. Teresa of the Child Jesus and Teresa of Avila. Just amazing spiritual witness. They're both doctors of the church. Therese of Lisieux, you know, famous for her story of the soul, and Teresa of Avila, along with John of the Cross, really reforming the Carmelite order in Spain and then going out throughout the world. You know what I love about Teresa of Avila that I just learned recently was, you know, we think of her as the leading authority in the church on mental prayer, and she struggled with it terribly at, at the beginning of her vocation, and it just goes to show that practice really can make perfect. Yes, it can. It absolutely can. So, yeah, I went with those two, so I'm halfway through here. I got Peter and Paul, Augustine, Thomas Aquinas, Teresa of Avila, and Teresa of Lisieux. The next two are often mentioned together. They are two great founders of religious communities, uh, St. Dominic and St. Francis of Assisi. Those two orders are truly incredible. I've got a great devotion to well, St. Dominic, again, because from the Dominicans came Thomas Aquinas, and I worked with the Nashville Dominicans at St. Joe's in Cottleville, so uh, Dominic has a very special place in my heart. But St. Francis of Assisi, you know, some people think of him as maybe the, the resident hippie of the church, but he was a tremendous man who loved the world's poor and sought to rebuild the church by prayer and, and good works. So he is obviously, again, one of the most influential saints of all time. So Francis of Assisi and Dominic would be my next two. All right, so that takes us to 7 and 8, 9 and 10 here. 9 and 10. I decided to go with two martyrs, the first of which may be my favorite saint that I have a personal attachment to because he's my confirmation saint. That would be St. Thomas More. Uh, he's a layman, husband and father, a lawyer, politician, who, of course, was martyred for his witness to the Catholic faith, especially toward marriage. Of course, lost his head to Henry VIII and famously said, I die the king's good servant, but God's first. Thomas More would be there. And then the other martyr, relatively recent one, Maximilian Colby. I don't know how many other all-star lists he's showing up in, 
He sometimes flies under the radar, I think, among a lot of people. But Maximilian Kolbe, just as a priest, and especially as a devotee of our Blessed Mother. Indeed. Just Marian devotion, really, really at work there. Sort of a modern Louis de Montfort, almost. So I went with, yeah, Thomas More and Maximilian Kolbe as my next two, because they're, you know, they're martyrs. I wanted to at least wear red, you could say, for, for the All-Star team. They'd be wearing red. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. You know, fair that's enough. the color of the martyrs. Cardinal so red. Yeah, cardinal red, exactly. And then my last two, two more amazing women. St. Cecilia, one of the virgin martyrs uh, in the early church. She's the patron of musicians, uh, which for me is very near and dear to my heart because I'm a musician and I, I love to sing. And then the other one, a very, very modern saint, I think for her charitable works, her works for the poor, but also her spiritual witness too, would be Mother Teresa, St. Teresa of Calcutta. You know, we often, again, think of her as a great humanitarian, and that's true. Great witness for life and for the dignity of the poor. But most folks forget that she went through the dark night of the soul for a number of decades. And one could argue that her spiritual witness is an even greater witness than what she gave to the world by caring for the poor. As wonderful and as awesome as that witness was, which she gave the church spiritually, that witness there, one could argue, is an even greater witness than what she gave by caring for all those people in India. So. Yeah, you know, how many times in life have you and I said, I'm just not feeling it today? And then we were all shocked to find out that most days Mother Teresa yeah, just she wasn't, wasn't feeling, feeling it that yeah, day. For, for a while, for years. We're talking years, folks. And she <laughs> still got up. One could say she's like the Cal Ripken of the church, you know, the, that Iron Man streak. You know, Cal Ripken played through injuries. Mother Teresa played through the dark night of the soul, basically. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> essentially. I, and here I am over here saying, well, you know, I'm going to take it easy today. Oh. I, I got a hangnail. Yeah, uh, same here. I mean, when I, when I think like, oh, it's 95 degrees out today. It's really difficult. I look at Mother Teresa and I'm like, well, I, I should get off my rear end and get yeah. out there. <laughs> so I, I guess, you know, this is all fun that we've come up with this Catholic starting lineup and you know again we've got 12 so we've got our nine players on the field plus a couple on the bench ready to go all under the general manager mary the queen of all yes. saints but i think the question before we run out of time here is how do we actually incorporate this into our lives because this is more than just fun of coming up with who are some of our favorites but they have writings they have sure. things that we can go read their biography how do we take these saints and use them as an inspiration for our lives sure as an inspiration well first of all i would you know, there's 12 of them here. Pick a month of the year and have a saint of the month in your home and in your in your life. Some saint that you pray to every day, that you might read a little blurb about them biographically or something of their writings. Do a different saint each month. You will have an amazing time just getting to know the saints. Make them really just a part of your life and get to know them, I would say. That would be the first thing. But the second thing would be this. In our prayer, and I think just in our relationship with them, we have to remember that the saints didn't sin any less than us. They really didn't. We think of the saints as quasi-perfect people. They really didn't sin any less than we do. If anything, they knew they were sinners more than us. That's really the, the only difference. They knew that they were sinners and entrusted that, their imperfections to Christ. One of the, my favorite images that I like to sometimes do or say in homilies is when you're driving in your car and your windshield, you can't really tell if there's dirt on the front of it at nighttime. It's only when there's light shining on it and only during the daytime that you actually see, oh, it's dirty. I need to clean my windshield. And if anything, the saints were the ones who allowed God to shine through and to see their imperfections, to be able to say, okay, I need to make some changes here. That's what the saints did. They didn't sin any less than us. They really didn't. They just simply surrendered their weaknesses and imperfections to God and allowed his grace to work in their lives. 
Yeah, I think of St. Peter who went 0 for 3 oh. on Holy Thursday. He went over 3 on Holy Thursday. I mean, he yeah. m- more than even that. I mean, you know, depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. You know, he cut off the other servant's ear in the run-up to the Passion. I mean, Peter fell flat on his face a few times. And yet he got up and he right? kept going, and then he becomes a saint who's the, the first pope of the church and right. the, gives the, us so much The Rock. More. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been fun. Father, if you have a moment to stick around during the break here, I think I have one last fun thing we can do to to round out the show, because I'm curious about another list you might have. But friends, you just got to stay tuned for this. We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere. Hello, podcast listeners. This is Adam Wright for Covenant Network. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to hit like and subscribe. And while you're at it, share it with your friends. And now back to the Roadmap to Heaven podcast. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. And one of the things that we neglected to mention early on in the show is that if you're having fun with the All-Star break like we are, there's actually a survey that was live. And sad to say that it's no longer live, but we were going to have a little bit of fun with this. I printed out a copy for Father Schneier here, and it's the Catholic Athletes for Christ All-Star Catholic baseball team and these are actual players who uh, played major league baseball and either were in their lifetime catholic or there's some of them are still alive they are catholic so i want to compare the lists here really quick father sure catcher who'd you pick well it was between two but i went with yogi berra the pride of the hill you know we're a couple minutes from the hill down here at covenant network folks and yogi berra i mean he won a boatload of world series for the yankees in, in the 50s i mean he might have like eight rings yeah, as a player, which is which is absurd, but you can't get more just Americana than Yogi Berra. All right. So Yogi-isms. that said, how were you how were you troubled and just not picking Yogi Berra outright? Well, Piazza, he's got I think uh, he's right. got the most home runs ever by a catcher. Okay. Solid player. He's in the hall, but Yogi. When you think about it, it's it's got to be Yogi Berra. All right. Well, for time's sake, we're we're not going to talk about second Fair enough. second place going forward here. First Fair baseman, enough. who'd you pick? First baseman, I went with Gil Hodges. All right, uh, you're a good man. We've been yes. talking a lot about Gil Hodges today. Second baseman, Greg Biggio. All as right. much as I hated him when he was on the Astros. <laughs> so far, your lineup and mine are the same. Yeah. Shortstop, I had to go with Jeter. Yeah. How could you not? Third baseman, one of the best defensive third baseman of all time, Brooks Robinson. See, I don't know much about third baseman. You know, except for Nolan Arenado, who is now our who's third very, baseman. very good. Yeah. Uh, but had to go with Brooks Robinson, yeah. heck of a player. Is is Nolan Catholic, by the way? And if uh, not, I don't believe uh, so. I don't believe let's so. Let's pray for him sometime. We will absolutely. Uh, outfielders, outfielders. This is really, really strong. Number one, stand the man. Of course, had to Babe Ruth, and then the other one I went with was Roberto Clemente. Well, that's, you're a good man for that. Uh, my choice is a little different. I went with Hank Aaron, Roger Maris, and Stan the Man Musial, of course, sure. uh, because they'd throw me out of the studio if I didn't pick him. Your designated hitter, which I, you know, I kind of shudder to think of this category. Uh, Jim Tomey. All right. I went Mike Sweeney. Okay. All right. And then and your pitchers. Pitchers. Pick went with two starters and a reliever. I went with Whitey Ford and Tom Glavin. Okay. And then for a reliever, I got Trevor Hoffman. All right. I went with Red Faber, Tom Glavin, and Jeff Supon. I was uh, about to do Jim Bunning. Jim Bunning was a heck of a pitcher. He threw a perfect game, I believe. All right. Now, the Blessed Mother's not man- – she's managing the team of saints you gave us. Who's managing your Catholic All-Star well, team? Well, uh, even though Connie Mack is the all-time wins leader for managers, I had to go with Sparky Anderson because there's no one more eclectic. Maybe Billy Martin, but 
Sparky Anderson, if you ever see videos of him getting into arguments with umpires, well worth your time. All right. Well worth your time. I picked Connie Mack, but, you know, I almost picked Tommy Lasorda because he and I have some other characteristics in common. Sure. Uh, your general manager? I had to go with Mo. All right. Of the ones that were that were listed in the survey went with Mo. He's won more World Series, I believe. All right. And your broadcaster? Broadcaster, Vince Scully. All right. Vince Scully is a great Catholic. He is. And he is. a great broadcaster, too. And Yeah. They say he, uh, for the mass at Dodger Stadium, he would always be the lector. They would almost, dem- everyone would demand that Vince Scully would be the lector, and you hear Vince Scully reading it from Paul's letters or somewhere from the Old Testament. And that would oh, be amazing. I'm imagining that now. Well, here's, here's the deal. We're out of time, but Father Schneier, I want to thank you for being with us. In a moment here, I'm going to ask you to close us out with prayer, and then we're going to go to a break to get you one last check of the weather and the daily dose of encouragement with Patty Schneier, who you may know. Father. I, I might know her. She, <laughs> might. she might be my mother. She might have given birth to me. So, All right. Well, could you close us out with a prayer? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for all the blessings you pour into our lives. We thank you for the wonderful example of the many saints who have gone before us and like the path forward to you. We ask for the grace to imitate them in all our thoughts, words, and actions. And we pray all of this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Adam, thanks for having me on, buddy. Appreciate it. Father Schneier, thanks for being with us, and uh, we'll see you on deck next time. Until then, friends, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. As we stop for our daily dose of encouragement on this Tuesday in our week dedicated to children, I just want to say, Patty, I spotted Hide Him in Your Heart on my favorite streaming music app. And so I know Steve Green's out there for everyone that's wondering, where can I find Hide Him in Your Heart, which you talked about yesterday. But what are we going to talk about today? Well, I'm going to sing another song from Steve Green because, again, these are great scripture verses to learn and help you memorize. This one's from Philippians 4, verse 8. And my kids, again, could all sing this song. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, think about such things. And it goes on. But, I mean, that long list of things from Philippians, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable think about such things sing it and you can learn that scripture verse that's philippians 4 8 now my next bit of advice for parents with young kids is take your children to beautiful churches and one of my most favorite things to do that my dad did with us and my dad did with the grandkids was always when we went to a new church was to go around and look at the Stations of the Cross. You will be teaching your children about different art. Some of them are sculptures. Some of them are paintings. Some of them are mosaics. You will be teaching them the story of Jesus and his passion and death. And a picture's worth a thousand words. They will learn the story, the most important story on earth, by looking at the Stations of the Cross. So when you have your grandkids, maybe, or your children, you're on vacation, you're at a new church, After Mass, say, let's go look at the stations. That was something as a child that I remembered, and I knew that in every Catholic church were stations of the cross. Do that with your children. It's a beautiful, beautiful, small little way of teaching them the faith, and they'll like it. Sounds like a fun field trip for us, and I look forward to taking that one with my kids. So, Patty, thank you so much for this encouragement today. 
Okay, I promised this to you at the beginning of the show, and I did look this up during one of the breaks today, and now is the time to share it with you. Uh, It was Sister Lucia who wrote in a letter to uh, Cardinal, I have it here, Carlo Cafara. He was in charge of the, where is it here, the... uh, Pope St. John Paul II founded the Institute for Studies on Marriage and the Family in 1981. And he was, in an interview in 2017, he was talking about the difficulty they had with the first few years. So he wrote to Sister Lucia asking for her prayers, not even expecting a reply. And uh, at the time, if you wanted to correspond with Sister Lucia, you actually had to go through her bishop. So he wrote the letter to her and sent it to her bishop. Her bishop gave her Sister Lucia the letter. And she sent a handwritten reply back to Cardinal Kafara, uh, who, and in that letter is where we have this, um, that, Father, a time will come when the decisive battle between the kingdom of Christ and Satan will be over marriage and the family. And those who will work for the good of the family will experience persecution and tribulation. But do not be afraid because Our Lady has already crushed his head. So, Sister Lucia, of course, one of the three children present for all of the Fatima apparitions, um, or present for the Fatima apparitions. She gave us the the three secrets of Fatima, um, and this is, I think, just a very, very powerful thing that that we get this from her, where she says, again, I'm going to read this exact quote. Father, a time will come when the decisive battle between the kingdom of Christ and Satan will be over marriage and the family, and those who will work for the good of the family will experience persecution and tribulation, but do not be afraid because Our Lady has already crushed his head. Now, over the past two weeks, like I said, I've had the opportunity to go out and do a little bit of uh, public speaking and just offer my testimony. You know, I I tell you all the time, I'm not a theologian, I'm not an apologist, I'm not a psychologist. We have those shows for that here on Covenant Network. This is the show where we talk about witness. This is where we talk about the same questions you and I have. And I was sharing that when I went out to do this speaking to say, look, here's what I have to offer the world. Beth and I offer the witness of our life, of our marriage, of our family, in hopes that you can learn from our strengths and learn from, you know, build upon our strengths and learn from our mistakes. So it is entirely reasonable to believe that the devil does not want Beth and I to have a good marriage. And, uh, you know, that's the nature of it. The more that we go out and try to do good to build the kingdom of God, the more that we're going to face opposition in the spiritual realm. And that's why it's so important to pray the rosary and why it's so important to ask our guardian angels to protect us. You know, that prayer that seems so silly that uh, children pray, but it's not. It's not silly. Angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love commits me here, ever this day be at my side to light, to guard, to rule, to guide. You know, we pray that with the kids every night. Why would we not pray that prayer? You know, you and I, if we were to go up against the supernatural realm, we would be out numbered, outmanned, out, uh, you know, outmatched. That's the word I'm looking for, outmatched. And yet God sends us a guardian angel. And how often do we ask our guardian angel to guard us? We should do that every day. And the best part is you can pray that prayer in the morning. Angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love commits me here ever this day be at my side. Or if it's bedtime, ever this night be at my side. Pray that prayer twice a day. It's a very simple one. My four-year-old, well, now five-year-old, my five-year-old daughter has that one memorized. So if she can pray it, you can pray it. 
I can pray it. It's not ridiculous for us to pray it. We need to witness to the dignity of marriage, and the best way to do that is that those of us who are married witness through our own marriages, striving for holiness, striving for healthy marriages, striving to put God first, our spouse a second, our children third. And that does not mean we love our children or our spouse any left. When we have things properly ordered, we are loving them in a great, great way. Let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to thank Kevin O'Malley and Father John Schneier for coming on and talking some baseball today. I promise we're not going to be talking baseball tomorrow. This was We got it out of our system today. I want to thank Doug Berry for being with us again. He's going to be with us the rest of this week as well, um, helping us with our discipline in praying the rosary. I mean... As Sister Lucia said, do not be afraid because Our Lady has already crushed his head. She's already done it. The question is, are we going to be with her? Are we going to be on her side? I hope so. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Thanks for listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Pray your rosary today.